Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-host, Mickey Turner. Casey's the other voice that you hear. Tim Foss. Of course, Ari Lillian Wall. This has been an extremely weird podcast. Getting dragged all day. Just the bottom line is they, they don't have an answer to that. There's a reason they got signed to first team contracts. And if you're not going to give them respect for that, then have fun losing again next Very year. special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the CL Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome into another episode of the Sound Our Heart podcast. I, of course, am your host, Mark Kastner. Today, I am uh, joined by a very special guest, Tyler Fisher of The Massive Report. How are you today? I'm not bad, Mark. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. I'm, I'm really excited about this show. Uh, not only because uh, do I not know very much about the Columbus crew, but um, you actually traveled from Columbus to Seattle all the way back in March, which was about two decades ago. Um, and you took the train, didn't you? Say that again? I, <laughs> yeah, traveled. Yeah, traveled. That was a fun trip. Um it was uh, it was quite interesting. Normally, you know, reporters fly, yeah, uh, everywhere. Or you know, if it's a if it's a somewhat of a short trip, you know, I might drive. I actually caught a bus uh, from Columbus to Chicago um, about seven something in the morning, and then I took what was a forty six hour trip on a Amtrak train from Chicago to Seattle. So that was quite fun uh no delays this time like i had in portland back in 2018 but it was still fun nonetheless i got coach seat which was uh, about 300 dollars less than a round trip plane ticket so that was good um but yeah it was a it was a fun train trip yeah 300 dollars less but about 300 hours longer right yes <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> yeah definitely yeah i remember uh you know, so back in normal times, sometimes uh, opposing team uh, bloggers or reporters show up in the press box, and it's always fun to talk to them about, you know, coming to Seattle and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, I remember you telling uh, Jeremiah and I at the time that you took the train and just being completely, honestly baffled by that decision because that's a really <laughs> long train train trip. But uh yeah. Uh, maybe you had the foresight of um, a global pandemic coming. Uh, and- you, you know, it was it was definitely something like you like we were talking earlier in the week. It was something that was, really wasn't on my mind at the time, uh, but um, it certainly was something. I know it was not what I expected it to turn out to be uh, so far, but. Um, I remember, I remember, I remember just simply going for a handshake with Jeremiah, and we just like ended up fist bumping or touching elbows, like and he he didn't, he didn't want to give off the wrong impression or something like that. Like, yeah, <laughs> and that was the that was the game that um, kind of I don't I think yeah it was the last MLS game before they kind of called everything off um, yep. at the time. If listeners can remember, there was a somewhat of a you know looking back on it it was a minor outbreak in the seattle area um, yeah. 
and you know there was tons of precautions taken for that game and and we just really had no idea what was going to happen but on the field it it was actually a a pretty entertaining 1-1 draw uh, with with Zardes uh, Giassi Zardes scoring in the first half and then the Sounders uh, winning a late penalty in the 79th minute with Raul Rui Diaz scoring the equalizer and uh, you and I were talking after the game at the time and just kind of like exchanging pleasantries and being like, Hey, maybe this could end up being MLS cup at the end of the season. And uh, here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. With, um, with not, not the 2020 regular season that, that we thought would happen, but I kind of wanted to uh, get your perspective. Um, You know, obviously the Sounders have played Columbus, but that was nine months ago, almost to the day. Yeah of recording this podcast on Wednesday. Um, how has the, how's Columbus done this season? Obviously they made the final. Um, they were in the supporter shield hunt towards the end there, but didn't make it um, mm-hmm. kind of what has made the Columbus crew, the Columbus crew this season. Um, you know, I think it's more um, of how they, of how they made themselves the Columbus crew um, instead of what Um obviously you know we we got up to a hot start at the beginning of the season uh like we did last year um which was fine uh, and then obviously the halt after the seattle match um so starting with like the the way that we returned was great with the mls's back tournament um went undefeated in group stage and um obviously lost to minnesota um on uh pks in the knockout round which glad it didn't count towards the regular season um, but I think it was more, you know, how we did it and how we approached the rest of the season in the three stages. Um, we found our, we found ourselves the identity that uh, head coach Caleb Porter wanted uh, when he first arrived here in Columbus last year um, with Lucas Zellerayon, Darlington Nagby, uh, Jossie Zardes, and, um, you know, with the existing guys like Pedro Santos and Luis Diaz and our back four, um, I think we, I think we were able to establish the identity that Caleb Porter wanted, and being able to hold that throughout the uh, entire year with um, the stretch of games that we had to play within a few days um, in the first stage of the uh, return to play phase, and being able to commit to that, even though we had battled injuries again, um, I think that's one thing that we do have a lot of is we do get injured a lot um but the way that we rebounded and were able to get through the season um unlike we didn't get the supporter shield but we were in the hunt for quite some time um i think we were able to get ourselves back on the right foot and now look at us we're playing in our third mls cup final yeah and there's actually i see a lot of similarities between a columbus crew this season and, and the Sounders this season, just in terms of like, you know, the simple things with, with the formation that they play, but you know, they, the, the crux of the attack is, is a brilliant number 10. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I know Jossie Zardes gets a lot of, uh, let's just say attention <laughs> online for <laughs> yeah, who he is, but uh, you know, I, I don't think anybody can genuinely argue that he's a, bad MLS player at this point in his career. Like he's scored 12 goals this season in MLS play. 
scored a couple of goals in the playoffs, if I'm right. Maybe one. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so um, you talk a little bit about injuries. Uh, that's something that the Sounders had to deal with as well uh, and international call-ups that caused both COVID and non-COVID related injuries. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's uh, you, you mentioned, you mentioned a little bit, but what's kind of been the driving force for the Columbus crew this year? Like what's the bread and butter? Are they, you know, are they a counterattacking team? Do they like to control possession? Um, I would say the, the first part um, that we like to do is we, we like to start out on the front foot within the first 15, 20 minutes of a match. Um, we like to play out of the back a lot, but we also like to keep control of the ball. Um and being able to find ways to break down opposition defenses and um, get through the middle and being able to get through the middle through the midfield and then play out the wings to get to get the uh, to get the attack in the uh, defense in the attacking third. Um, it's also more of you know who is our bread and butter. You know we have Lucas Delarayon and uh, Jesse Zardes. That's a very good connection uh, from a mid from a central attacking mid to a striker, and then also Luis Diaz who plays out on the uh, right wing uh, or the right mid, sorry, uh, to uh, Jassy Zardes also. So it's kind of a, a mix between a triangle of players and also being able to have our everybody in the in our starting eleven play out from the back and being able to find spaces and gaps to where. We can get the ball at Darlington Nagby, who has been a crucial part in our defensive mid, um, being able to, you know, get around defenders and just start an attack right then and there or make a, a dummy move and just let it go through the legs and get to somebody else to start an attack. You mentioned uh, before when you were talking about injuries and, uh, you know, nothing is ideal about this 2020 season for multiple reasons, but um if I told you at the beginning of the year, Josh Williams was your second most important center back, uh, what would you have said to me? And uh, how, how rude would you be? <laughs> uh, to, to, to be honest, I, I, I know Josh. Josh is a great guy. He's a yeah. Great, great guy off the field. And, you know, um, if you would have told me that, I would have said you're crazy uh, to think that because um, obviously – we had Jonah and uh, Vito as our top two, um, but it's had Vito not suffered a, a terrible season ending injury against Cincinnati. Um, I probably would have went with maybe a Bubakar, a Uh I would have looked at you and said, you know, you're crazy. That's absolutely a, I mean, you might be right, but I, I don't see it. I think you're definitely wrong. Um, but I think he has outdone um, everybody's opinion of him this season uh, in being a crucial part in helping Jonah lay down that uh, center back position in our back four. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you watched any of the crew New England game on uh, Sunday. I did. Yes. But, what's that? I said I did. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I honestly thought that he was about to rip a shot going from box to box. Uh, yeah. And being able to get around defenders by himself. Like I, I never really see Josh Williams in the couple years that he's been with us. Um, this year, last year, the second time he was with us, even the first time he was with us, I never really saw him do that. I think he has grown a bit more confident in 
and handling the ball and being able to produce when needed, not only maybe on the offensive side, but especially on the defensive side. There's a lot of, I see a lot of similarities with Josh Williams and Shane O'Neill actually, who um, at the beginning of the year probably wasn't considered to be a a starter for the Sounders, but um, given uh, just kind of how the playoffs have have worked out, he's, he's probably going to be starting in the MLS cup. So um, yeah, I just, I can't get away with how, uh, how mirrored these two teams these two teams have been, especially with, uh, I guess, I guess the comparison falls a little bit towards, um, falls a little bit away when you kind of get into the postseason. And I kind of want to ask you about, uh, about how the crew have gotten to the final, you know, and in the first round, uh, there was, there was a back and forth game with, um, with the Red Bulls where they won three, two, uh, the second conference semifinals against Nashville, uh, it was zero zero in full time, but Columbus scored uh, scored two in extra time. But I would say most people thought Columbus was probably going to win that game, no, no matter how long the game played, because <laughs> yeah. Nash- Nashville was not <laughs> was not interested in scoring a goal. Uh, and then, of course, uh, the conference final last Sunday, you uh, dispatched the New England Revolution one zero thanks to an art. Archer goal in the 60th minute. Yep. Um, although the game could have definitely uh, had more goals from a Columbus crew perspective. Yeah. Um, do you feel fairly, fairly good about how your teams uh, perform so far in the playoffs? Um, I do. However, there was a um, Caleb Porter preached this all last season. Um, the team kind of lacked a killer instinct and being able to close out games. Um, I think that kind of creeped back up against the, uh, against the New England Revolution on Sunday. Um, after the goal by Artur in the 60th minute, I think Columbus just decided to park the bus, kind of. Um, however, and they were playing more defensively. However, within the last 10 minutes, I'd say was if, if any crew, if any Columbus crew fans listen to this, I think they can all agree when it was a nail biting last 10 minutes, last, I'm sorry, last 14 minutes, including the four minutes of the uh, stoppage time. Um, New England just were getting corners, set pieces, uh, fouls in uh, their attacking half of the, of the pitch. And I, I was sitting there. I was, I was in the press box. I was sitting there and I'm watching the game and, you know, writing and I'm sitting there like I can smell a New England equalizer like coming <laughs> any second right now. And I'm like, this is gonna go. And I had a game myself afterwards for the record. So I had to <laughs> haul butt out of there. To get to my <laughs> but I was sitting there, I'm like, I can smell a New England equalizer. And this goes back to you know that killer instinct that Caleb said that they lacked last year, where they couldn't close out games, they couldn't finish strong. And I saw that against New England. Am I, am I happy that they, you know, were able to secure the win? Sure, why not? It gets us to the Cup final. But at the same time, you know, you have to be able to stay strong in the last 10, 15 minutes of a game and being able to close out and not just for the last 30 minutes that they played, just be on the defensive end. They have to stay strong. They have to stay focused and being able to close out the game. They could have gotten another one, uh, 
a couple of times after a clearance on a corner kick or a set piece. But it was just more of turning the ball over in midfield as they always do and then just come back and play defense. Was that I kind of want to take you back to before the game, before the game against the revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh because it kind of sounds like that that's not what you were expecting to happen throughout the 90 minutes of that match. Um, no, not really. Uh, like I said, like the first 15, uh, I think the first 15 minutes of that match, I think we were controlling everything. Uh, I think within the first 10 minutes, we were awarded five corner kicks, hmm. um, which is something that is outrageous in a good way, at least, <laughs> in a, at least in a good way for crew fans. That's, you know, you don't really see teams give up five corners or, you know, get granted five corners within the first 10 minutes of a match. It's very rare that that happens. Um, the attacking phase was good uh, the first 20 minutes. And then as New England started to settle into that game in the first half, it was more, um, you know, OK, now how can we break them down? And I watched the New England Orlando match also. Um, the match I got New England to play us and New England was just dominant on every cylinder um, scoring two goals in the scoring two goals in the first half and you know totally torching the Orlando side with Nani back in the lineup and even though they were without uh, uh, who, even though they were who's their goalie I can't remember um, oh uh, uh, Pedro Colasi yeah even though they were without him uh, I New England was definitely dominant, and I was like, that's going to be scary going up against them because uh, Bruce Arena is a very, very great head coach, a legendary head coach at that. And the way that he's turned around the New England uh, New England side is just – it's great to see. And as I'm watching that game, I'm like, this is going to be terrifying for Columbus if we cannot keep them contained, especially Gustavo Bo, Tejon Buchanan, um, Carl's Gill, and Teal Bunbury. I think it's more of how did we do that and not can we do it? Something that I think is interesting with the Columbus Crews uh, playoff run so far is Caleb Porter's substitution patterns. Um, It looks like he doesn't really use subs, which uh, I know Sounders fans, that's a – that's a topic of discussion among Sounders fans and Brian Spencer throughout the playoff <laughs> run. But um, is that due to kind of injuries that the team is facing or is Caleb just kind of sticking with his guys to get the job done, which clearly they have gotten the job done to be clear. Um, I can say, I can say, I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. Um, I think if you're looking at the injury standpoint, maybe, you know, we don't have, the mentality of next guy up um, and also like who is available to play in that position. Um, Cause I know we've, I know we've played uh, Chris Cadden at a right back position a couple of times. And then against, I think it was natural. He played in a center attacking mid position uh, coming out for Lucas. And it was um, the, Na- it was the Nashville game with all the uh, positive COVID tests, right? Or was that the new England game? Um, so there were some out of, there was, one out with Nashville and the okay. New England game was okay. the one where it was kind of kind of sketchy. Yeah. Um so I would say I would say on one hand it's uh it's injuries and you know who can play in, in what position. 
Mm-hmm. But also on the other hand, it's, you know, how has this team done so far within like the first within the first half and how they control the second half? Um, and can I trust whoever I bring in or can he trust whoever he brings in to keep that going throughout the throughout the, the rest of the match, um, whether it goes to extra time or not? Um, yeah, they still need to help close out that game. So looking ahead to uh, the, you know, the whole reason why we're talking, even though I, of course, enjoy talking to you, (laughs) but uh, you're a great guy, Mark. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. That was a really awkward thing to say. No, you're good. Didn't quite come off the way that I thought it would, but uh, uh, obviously uh, Columbus crew have qualified for MLS cup and uh, that game is on Saturday. Uh, The Columbus crew are very good at home, aren't they? Yep. Twi- twi- well, if you're taking into consideration uh, play- uh, playoffs, I think we're 12 and 1 at home. That's uh, an impressive record. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, that's, all, that's actually almost identical to the Sounders, although they have one more draw um, at home. And the reason why the Columbus crew are hosting this, this match uh, is they have zero. 0.01 more points per game than the Sounders. Um, and had the Sounders managed to beat the Columbus crew all the way back in March, this game would be in Seattle. Correct. Although you probably wouldn't have taken the train this time, g- given our uh, <laughs> our current predicament as a country. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyways, uh, not, not to get too, uh, too bitter about that at all. But um, <laughs> what makes the crew so good at home? I know, I know there's uh, a handful of fans in attendance, but does that have anything to do with it? Or is it just kind of the way that Caleb sets up his team at home? Um, you know, our state, our stadium holds, our stadium holds 20,000. Um, and we've been allowing 1500. I don't think it's, it's, I'm probably going to get a lot of flack with this. I don't think it's (laughs) the fans being there. Also, I don't think it's the fans. I mean, it has a small part to it. Um, with the fans being there and having that extra support. But I also think it's the way that, you know, Caleb sets up his team. I think it's more Caleb knows who can do good um, and who can perform on home turf, uh, especially with our older guys that can kind of coach the new guys, you know, where the best spots are to be to receive the ball, to get the ball through um to swing in a across into the into the six yard box um but i i think it's the way caleb sets up his team i think caleb knows um he reads the field well and he knows who can do the job right it has the extra motivation for uh the crowd for the 1500 fans even the fake piped in crowd noise that goes on in at Mafre, which I personally don't like. Um, but I think it's more coaching standpoint than it is the fan standpoint. If, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally does. I think, I think that makes total sense. Um, with how he sets up his team, is it going to be the same lineup that the same starting lineup that played against uh, new England last week? Or do you see any, any changes happening? Um, I, I see maybe a couple of changes happening, but more on the bench side. Okay. Um, we Tell me about that. Do, 
we do have a good core of our group of our group coming back um, from uh, from the positive COVID test. I do see, although I do like, I do although I do like how he's been performing with us uh, throughout the playoffs. I do see Aloy Room starting um, with him coming back in net. I love I love Andrew Tarbell. He's been great for us. Um, but with the core group of guys that we have coming back that might have missed uh, the core group of guys on the bench that are always the ones to come back um, to come into the game, like uh, Eunice Mokhtar, even though he's on bench against New England, um, Chris Cadden, Waylon Francis. Um, I see a lot of changes happening on the bench instead of the field. Okay. Expect the same lineup uh, from New England. Uh, from the New England match, but with Aloy Room in net. Mm-hmm. And um, depending who the one positive COVID test is from our guys, uh, I can see it's a it, good thing it's not four of our key players, which is Mensa, Nagby, Lucas, and Giassi. Thank God it's not that. Yeah. Um, but I think that's one significant change is the is the goalkeeping. Awesome. Um now to ask you the big question, how are you feeling about the game? Um, you know, I was watching I watched the Seattle Minnesota game. Yeah. And uh, I was much I, watched television there at the end. <laughs> so, you know, when when you when people like us are just all into soccer and have a lot a lot of soccer on, I think that's the only entertainment that I have. Um but I was very impressed with the comeback that you know you guys put up against Minnesota. I think they just blew a tire at the end and just gave up. I was really impressed by that. I will I will go on on record and say that I was very impressed with the comeback. Um, but you know, had had a global pandemic not be the reason that Columbus is hosting, I think the match in March could have been a lot different. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the the peak the PK retake in that match. Oh yeah, I remember that. Let kind of gave us an edge for that draw. Um, but I honestly think, oh man, I it's it's hard. I I feel good, but I'm nervous at the same time. As you should be. <laughs> you don't want to be. You don't want to be too confident as a fan. No, no way. <laughs> so, fan fan perspective, I'm I'm good. I feel I feel confident, but I'm nervous. But on a more business side, since I'm since I'm covering the game, I I just want both teams to have fun. <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to ask you uh, for a score prediction. What do you got for me? Are the sound are the Sounders lifting a third MLS Cup? Or are you here to you here to let me down? Um. You 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 want you want the bias or non-bias side? <laughs> the bias. That's the reason why you're on here. We're gonna have shows all week with Sounders fans and uh, broadcasters and stuff. So you're, you're, here's your one opportunity to to get in at Sounders fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I honestly think that I can, I can see Columbus taking this. However, I don't see it going through ninety. I see it going at least extra time. Okay. Um. At the end of regulation, I'm going to say 1-1. And I'm going to say oh. Columbus just kind of tears it apart and scores two in extra time to, and take it 3-1. 3-1. Wow. Okay. 
I don't like that, but uh, I mean, it sounds like I've got a lot to write about after that game. So uh, I, I have a lot to write about coming this week. So you're creating a lot of work for us here at Sound of Our Heart, which I appreciate. You're welcome. Uh, so it's 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 three one Columbus Crew is lifting their second MLS Cup. Uh, some guy named Ziggy Schmidt helped win them their first one in 2008. Um, Something happened after that. He came, went and coached a different team. Uh, (laughs) I don't really remember a whole lot. Uh, You can look up the history there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Um, there's, there, there was a lot of talk yesterday with, uh, with uh, Caleb and Tim in our, in our press conference about it. And, and, and in all seriousness, I think that that's a, that's a really cool aspect that that's happening in this final, you know, Ziggy Smith being, a legendary head coach for both teams before his passing mm-hmm. and uh, by all accounts uh, a huge mentor for Caleb Porter yep. uh, and obviously uh, Brian Spencer spent seven seven seasons on the sideline with Ziggy Smith so um, his spirit will definitely be felt on, on Saturday and I'm getting a little yeah. tingly just thinking about it so yeah, so uh, same. I was I was in there like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I I just I remember when when Ziggy uh, got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and in his speech, uh, it was when Caleb Porter was still coaching in uh, Portland. He brought up Caleb Porter in his speech, mm-hmm. and I just think that like if you ever got a chance to know Ziggy, uh, for him to for him to name drop you and something as as imp- like Ziggy really liked himself. And and not in a, like an egotistical way or anything, but you right. know he really believed in himself. So for him to bring up somebody else in his own his in a speech about himself, you know he had to think very highly of you. And so uh, as much as I myself and the rest of Sounders fans kind of don't like Caleb Porter for what he did in Portland, um, that's certainly that's certainly an aspect to keep an eye on. So yeah. um, anything else you want to say before we? Before we end this thing, I uh, I also think that you know, if 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 Columbus wins, I think it's a good way to send off Moffray Stadium. Oh and yeah, that's right. That's gonna it's gonna be the last game there. The uh, last major last major championship okay. game there. Yeah, we're, we're still planning on playing like the first uh, first couple games at Moffray since our stadium is not going to be done until July. Okay. Um, but that's like the last major championship game that's going to be played there. Um. So a, a bitter, a bittersweet farewell to the good old Frey will be, will be the icing on top. And hopefully the scoreboard doesn't light on fire. <laughs> I, I, I saw your tweet about that. I actually kind of chuckled at that. <laughs> that's just, that's just that's such a funny thing. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I want to thank Tyler for coming on, chatting with me about the Columbus crew. Uh, definitely my pleasure. I had fun. And uh, hopefully, hopefully your score score prediction is is wrong, but uh, I do I do hope both teams have fun on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, thanks it's, for it's it's, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting one for sure. It should it should be a good game. It should definitely be a good game. So yeah. I want to thank Tyler for coming on. I am of course Mark, and this has been uh, another podcast that we're putting out during MLS Cup week for the Sounder at Heart podcast. Thanks.